0: george rodriguez
2: howdy 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 my friends george rodriguez el conservador talking to you from san antonio deep in the heart of south texas on this beautiful saturday november 16th 2019 it is a gorgeous day out there it's been cold this past week it has been really really cold here in san antonio this past week but um this weekend is really really looking very very nice Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, we've got a good program for you today. First of all, we've got, um, we've got uh, three real good guests for you. Uh, we have Mr. Paul Kelly, who is with the, um, let me get this correct, the Coalition for Public Safety. Uh, and uh, it uh, is an organization that was uh, that uh, uh, put together a police officer's. Uh, from across the country, directed to um, defend police officers in legislative legislative matters, matters to represent them nationally in legislative matters. Uh, so uh, we'll be chatting with uh, with Mr. Kelly uh, shortly. Uh, he is uh, working on a specific um, piece of legislation uh, at uh, in Washington which I think you'll be very, very interested in because uh, whether we want to admit it or not, there is a war on cops uh, on our police officers. And uh, Paul Kelly has, has been working on, uh, on uh, organizing and getting the support of various organizations, police or officer organizations from across the country, as well as uh, the um, uh, politicians, the uh, Senate and the House, uh, to support him. So um, we'll chat with him a little bit. We've also got Mr. Brandon Judd. Brandon Judd is the uh, uh, president of the Border Patrol of, uh, Agents Union, uh, the national president. And he's going to be talking about uh, the war on uh, law enforcement officers, specifically the uh, war on the Border Patrol. We have seen repeatedly, my friends, across the country, how uh, the Border Patrol is vilified, how ICE is vilified. Uh, we talked with our good friend D.A. King last week in Georgia, and we heard about this ridiculous, this crazy, vulgar sign that's being uh, worn by, uh, by uh, politicians in uh, California and in Georgia uh, attacking the, uh, the Border Patrol and attacking the ICE agents. And uh, again, my friends, this is nothing more than just leftist liberal stupidity uh, undermining law and order. So uh, we're going to be chatting with Brandon about um, the the challenges that they face. We also have a very good friend of mine, uh, the gentleman that I that I've gotten to know and I'm very I have Im- immense respect for, uh, Sheriff uh, Mark Lamb from Pinal County, Arizona. Uh, Sheriff Lamb, uh, while his uh, county doesn't doesn't touch the border itself, it's right next door to it. And uh, it is influenced quite a bit by uh, the uh, cartel trafficking and the smuggling and all of that. Uh, there is an Indian reservation that, um, that buffers between him and the, uh, uh, and, and the border, the Mexican border. And uh, what is ending up happening is that um, the uh, Indian reservation police, the Indian reservation authorities have taken a very, very liberal approach to uh, immigration law enforcement, and uh, they, uh, while they may, may cooperate with federal authorities, they don't cooperate very much with state and local authorities, and so uh, in that aspect of it, it's almost like um, Pinal County is on the border because they get influenced a lot by the uh, drug trafficking that goes on, the human trafficking, the illegal immigration. So we're going to be chatting with, uh, with um, Sheriff Lamb shortly. So let's, uh, let's get into some uh, immigration news real quick uh, before we go to our first uh, interview. And um, there, is, uh, there, is a, uh, there is good news and bad news on the immigration front. Uh, illegal immigration is down while um, drug trafficking is up. The October figures uh, showed that uh, the Border Patrol authorities, get this, they only caught 42,000. 42, 42,000! Only 42,000, and that's a drop. Uh, that is a drop of uh, uh, of almost 45% uh, in the number of uh, illegal aliens that were being caught. So 40, 42,000 is, is a drop. However, the drug seizures uh, at the border has increased. Uh, there's been an 84% spike in fentanyl, in, ca- in, in catching the fentanyl. The illegal immigration uh, apprehensions show that uh, it is at a 15-month low and it suggests that uh, that uh, president trump's immigration hardline has taken is, uh, is having an effect even if it is without uh, the help of congress however uh it also shows that the cartels are very much alive and well uh that according to mark morgan the acting customs and border protection commissioner uh there is a very very much a uh, a sense that um these folks are going to are getting more desperate and bo- more bolder uh or boulders should i just say and uh you know they're going to do anything and everything possible to keep their 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 criminal enterprise going also uh the brookings institute um known for its uh great defense of uh of open markets and uh and cheap labor i'll put it that in terms put it in that term uh worldwide cheap labor they published a new report questioning the size of the illegal alien population in the United States. They concluded that the number is difficult and that uh, and they estimate that uh, it varies according to the methodology that 's used to uh, to calculate however what 's really interesting with this is how they put the spin on the flow of illegal aliens uh, uh, that it, ha- it has increased over a longer period, but it has in the short period declined uh you know the, the in other words in other words yes we're getting a ton of more illegal aliens coming into the country uh than ever before but but uh right now at this very very moment there's fewer than than there were last year <laughs> you know and then then they put a further spin on this thing and they say that um There's too often uh, that that there's two issues or two points that are always overlooked that many of these illegal aliens pay uh, payroll taxes and sales taxes. And so, therefore, they are good for the for the economy. Uh, But, you know, folks, again, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Illegal immigration is illegal. Okay, that's number one. Number two, that while these illegal aliens are paying into the government financial system, they take out more than they contribute. I'm sorry, but they do. Just because a person pays taxes, does not excuse him from being illegally in the country. Criminals pay taxes, my friends. Criminals pay taxes. So what, uh, what? 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 Why are we excusing and accepting this? How much illegal immigration is acceptable to the Bir- Brookings Institute? Is what I'd like to ask. So, uh, in another, in a, yet another issue, or another story, rather, this news item coming out of Juarez. Uh, where the uh, governor of Juarez, where the uh, mayor of Juarez, is blaming guns and, of course, the United States uh, for the violence in his border town, uh, he is claiming that uh, guns from the United States are fueling the violence in his uh, in his community. Uh, let me give him a real reality check, my friends. In Juarez, you have a culture of violence that has existed for a long, long time since the days of Pancho Villa. It is a lawless community. It is a lawless culture. OK? Plus you add to it the culture of corruption, the political culture of corruption, that allows criminal behavior to flourish. And what do you have? You have now. You have now a, 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 a community that is out of control. Stop blaming the guns. Stop blaming the United States. You know? They'd be stabbing each other if that was the only thing they had people commit crimes, not the weapons. Okay. And it should not be excused because of poverty and ignorance. It is criminal behavior. And that's the bottom line. Finally, uh, let me, let me, let me put this, uh, in, in as delicate terms as we can, because this is a real, real big issue. This has to do with the Supreme Court, uh, hearing the DACA, uh, cases. Okay, or the DACA is DACA legitimate? Is it legal? It was created by Obama with a uh, with a stroke of the pen, with an executive order. Can Trump terminate it? Yes, he can. Two things wrong with this with this. Well, several things wrong with the, with DACA. First of all, it was created illegally. It was an end run around Congress, and it's uh, it, it, it's 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 not law. Okay, number two. Number two, it is an excuse, and it rewards people who were brought into the United States illegally as children. Now, if we're going to make exceptions to immigration laws, we are only going to encourage more Im- illegal immigration. These children, although people don't like to hear it, these children cannot be given uh, 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 some type of sanction, some type of, of, uh, of reward just because they were children when they were brought in, if we allow that that you know we because we have excused those dreamers, we have had uh, almost a million kids brought into the United States in the past uh, six years i mean brought into these kids were brought in illegally, and some of them were not even related to the people who brought them in so you know we need we need to end this pro, pro uh, this program this uh, uh, dreamer uh, executive order. And what we need to do is end the anchor baby rights as well as uh, stop excusing just because somebody came in, uh, stop excusing illegal aliens just because they came in when they were little. There shouldn't be any exceptions to the law, to immigration law, and there should be no end runs around the constitution. And bottom line to it also, my friends is that immigration enforcement, when you enforce immigration laws, it's not racism, okay? Enforcing immigration laws and in, in, in protecting the border, it's not racist. It's about national sovereignty and, and security. Unfortunately, every time that there is a debate, any time that there's a question regarding this whole issue of illegal immigration, you know, th- these people become very hyper, very hypersensitive, and they scream and yell about the issue, and they say it's racism because that's the only thing that they can hang their hat on let me let me tell you my friends, illegal immigration it it hurts the most vulnerable the most vulnerable people in the United States, the most vulnerable citizens because it brings in people from outside from around the world it brings unskilled uh, uneducated people to compete with the poor that we already have. We cannot allow that we need to take care of our folks first so Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio. Stick around, tell your friends, we'll be right back. We're going to go uh, to our first uh, interview. Thank you for supporting us. Please call your friends, tell them to join us. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, KLUP 930 AM Radio, the answer.
3: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
2: right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got uh, a very special guest with us. We've got uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb from uh, Pinal County, Arizona. And uh, Sheriff uh, Lamb, I I met Sheriff Lamb uh, in D.C. a few weeks ago. And he was there uh, speaking about uh, the issue of law enforcement along the border and and uh, what's been happening. So I wanted to reach out to him because two things. First of all, he's a fellow LDSer, and he uh, has been on Fox News as well recently, talking about the issue of cartel violence and uh, the influence that it's having on our on our our community. So welcome to the show, Sheriff. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. Are you seeing? Do you see? Uh, Any reason or a need, should I say, for uh, the United States to to extend some help uh, in the cartel, in the fight against the cartels uh, to Mexico? Absolutely. I thought it was very appropriate for our
4: president. I thought it was a a nice gesture to... To offer up the aid to uh, Mexico to help with these cartels, because I think it was clear that just what a month before they had an issue with the cartel where they had captured Chapo Guzman's son, and and the amount of violence and how quickly they were able to mobilize created a major problem for the Mexican government to the point where they were they actually returned the uh, they let him go and turned him back over to the cartel. So I think that. Uh, I think it was appropriate. I don't think he meant it in a bad way, and, and I think it shows our conviction to uh, solving this issue.
2: Now you're right there, uh, close to some of those uh, the, those Mormon colonies, or the both LDS colonies as well as the uh, the uh, offshoot colonies, the the folks that were uh, victimized in this uh, brutal attack. Are many of these people? Uh, moving north, moving to the United States because of the violence? Because, I mean, uh, these folks have been down there for, for a long, long time, for, for almost 100 years. Yeah, you know, my grandma was actually raised in Colonia
4: Juarez, which is um, another, that was an LDS community back in the days of Pancho Villa. And uh, she grew up there, went to high school there, everything. Um, I think as we've seen the violence increase, how I can't speak for those families, but how do you not, look at your options of having to move back you know which is sad because this is where they've raised their families this is where their businesses are um, you know they are Mexican citizens they're American citizens as well so you know anytime you see somebody that that, that is being kind of forced to be uprooted out of their home through violence it, it's tragic and you know, I think it's another opportunity for us to be grateful to be Americans, and for I think we we take for granted some of the peace and safety and the ability to just lay our heads down at night um, in a safe manner. I think we take that for granted sometimes.
2: It's interesting that you mention Colonia Juarez uh, because I had a lot of friends that were from Colonia Juarez as well, and uh, and a couple of them have definitely moved up uh, up into the uh, to the U.S. They've moved to. To Gilbert, Arizona, as well as to Mesa, and uh, you know, it's a direct result of the of the violence and their fear for the family. We also have uh, here in San Antonio. We've got a growing uh, population of folks who are repatriates from Monterrey, who are leaving, who are business folks from Monterrey, uh, who are who are uh, scared of the violence. Is has that violence reached into uh, into your county at all? I mean, the shootings or. Or, or the drug trafficking? You know, this violence
4: is something that we've been familiar with for a long time in law enforcement, especially in the Southwest area. We've seen it. Our president, President Trump, knew about this violence. You know, a lot of people, he's taken a lot of heat over the few years for his stance on border security. But now look how right he's being proven because this is something they knew they knew that the violence was there they knew that the drugs were coming into our communities and affecting our children and our families and uh he was willing to go out and combat it and support law enforcement in that mission we've seen this violence what america now is seeing it firsthand they've seen it you know in mexico but i'm here to tell you that mean uh, there are there are instances of violence a lot of them where cartel members have been violent here in this country and it goes unreported so um now america's kind of faced with it where we had six children and three women killed in cold blood and now all of a sudden we're talking about this is you know new violence it's not it's been around for a while and that's why so many of us are willing to fight so hard against the cartels and and human trafficking and drug
2: trafficking. Now, you have an Indian reservation right south of your, of your county, correct? And uh, correct. And, and uh, do uh, do the traffickers, do the human smugglers as well as the, the drug traffickers, uh, do they operate uh, through there? Absolutely. Every day almost. You know, we just
4: last week working with Border Patrol, I think we had... We had two apprehensions, nine apprehensions, seven apprehensions, four apprehensions. You know, that's we could go out every day and with our with our helicopters, and if I had enough staffing, I could put twenty four seven, you know, um, anti smuggling guys out there, and we would catch people nearly every day. And what I've said is, it's been like this for a lot of years. We've been a pipeline. We've been they come through with camouflage clothes and carpet shoes and and. Their whole intention is to not be detected. They want to come into this country unnoticed and and the cartels bring in the drugs. This has prim- primarily been a marijuana pipeline for many years, but we're, we've caught plenty of hard drugs as well.
2: Now, it was very, very interesting that Tucson just recently dis- voted that they're not going to be a sanctuary community. Um, does that, uh, I mean, they're not being, they're being Uh, still cooperative with, uh, with border patrol, I hope Uh, would, will that have a a positive impact on, on your efforts for law enforcement?
4: Yes, it will. I mean, it makes things a lot easier for my, my, my uh, counterparts down in that area that they don't have to deal with a government, a local government trying to protect these people. Um, But, They've worked, we've worked well with Border Patrol. The, the, the sheriff down there works well with Border Patrol. They've been a little all over the place politically. Their uh, their supervisors and their county government, as far as how much they want to work with it. But I think the, the voters sent a clear message to their government by 70 to 30%, which in, in political realms is shellacking, um, 70 to 30% that they were not in favor of, of sanctuary city and that is a heavy
2: democrat county that's that that really speaks volumes in my opinion that really speaks volumes for folks uh you know uh, including hispanic democrats who are uh, living on the border i think that that gets overlooked a lot by uh by the uh media that uh you know people that live on the border regardless of their ethnicity race or whatever uh, you know they are impacted, and they don't want any more of this uh, of this drug smuggling and human smuggling and just uh, incursion into the United States.
4: Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, we live it here in, in the Southwest. So whether you're you're strong on that border security or not, you, people cannot deny the fact that we live that. We live the human trafficking. We live the drug trafficking. A lot of people have have dealt with it or have had family members, you know, affected by it. And so even though they may not like the wall or some of the other border security things, it's hard for those people to deny the fact that there is a crisis and that we have an issue down here on the border. That whole manufactured crisis nonsense starts on the East Coast. People who have no concept of what we're dealing with out here. Yet they're the ones that are they're ending up with the, the final product that the cartel is bringing into the country. I don't know if a lot of your listeners realize, but 40% of all illegal drugs that are in America, they estimate that 40% or more come through the borders of Arizona.
2: Wow, amazing! That, that's incredible. Well, here in our concluding part of it, in the concluding minute, um, if you had a powerful wand, if you had a wish, what would you what would you do? What would you do to uh, to um, uh, address this headache that we've got?
4: You know i think we're on the right track our president has fought for it we need to do border security now the wall is the piece of it so the wall does have if um with the wall you can start to create choke points um you can start to to focus your efforts your your troops on areas that that uh, need focus and there's you need more sensors you need to make sure that your staffing is appropriate i would love to see more funding come to the local agencies the local sheriffs. I think if we continue to do that, you're going to see a decrease in drug usage in this country, and we're going to be able to start having some headway against the cartel. But we've got to start. In America, we love to treat the symptoms. We love to put all these programs together. That's great, but we still have to address the issue and where the drugs are coming from, and we need to stop that. Stop the bleeding first. And, uh, you know, thank goodness our president has been fighting for border security, and I support him on that
2: uh the um, one of the things that was discussed uh during this uh this uh past week was the issue of uh of declaring the the uh, cartels terrorist organizations. What do you think about that idea?
4: Well, I mean they they definitely meet the definition. I mean if they're
2: using fear and
4: violence to affect uh civilians, I think they meet the criteria of a terrorist organization. Look, we don't we don't have interactions out here with the isis or with um those uh, terrorist cells from the middle east what we do have to deal with are the cartels i think the cartels pose a far greater threat to americans than isis does and so i think if you're going to call isis
2: terrorists the cartel would definitely classify as terrorists boy i couldn't agree with you more Sheriff, sure. thank you very, very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. We got to get you back on. I would love to to pick your brain and talk to you about it, some about other stuff that, that's going on as well. Let me know. Thank you very much once again, my friends. We've been chatting with uh, with Sheriff Mark Lamb from uh, Pinal County, Arizona, and uh, let me tell you, folks, he is he is really, really a, a good guy. I really, really have enjoyed meeting him and becoming friends with. him. Once again, George Rodriguez. KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer in San Antonio. All right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, a very special guest with us today, uh, Mr. Paul Kelly. And Paul is president of the United Coalition of Public Safety, and also president of the San Jose Police Officers Association. And I wanted to get him. He was in town, I believe, here in San Antonio, talking about uh, a specific legislation that uh, he, that uh, his organization is proposing, and is seeking to back. And I think it's very important that we learn about that so that we can uh, get ourselves behind it as well. Um, so, uh, Paul, welcome to the show. Tell us about the United Coalition for Public Safety, what um, what it's all about, and uh, and then tell us about this legislation that you are proposing.
4: Yes, thanks. Uh,
5: thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I think uh, some of the messaging that we're going to talk about today is just vitally important for law enforcement and the communities they serve. Uh UCOF, United Coalition of Public Safety, is a national coalition that truly focuses on working together with the communities to keep them safe. Uh, strengthen relationships uh, between uh, the police and the communities and the residents that law enforcement serves all throughout the nation um it is groups like uh the all the islands of hawaii that goes all the way across to the east coast and new york the sergeants Benevolent associations and many other large cities um, across the nation and uh, truly the focus is supporting law enforcement and to react very quickly when incidents happen, when legislation is bad, when officers need help, when communities are falling apart and unraveling because of the crime, the uh, United Coalition of Public Safety um, is almost like I would call a react team that we're going to support the communities and the cops that are within those cities. And, and we're talking about small cities, and most of our, our group is large, major metropolitan cities, such as Los Angeles, Los Angeles County Sheriff, San Francisco, um, Oakland, We've got uh, Omaha. We were in Texas because we get support uh, from uh, the fellow Texans there. And uh, like I said before, uh, New York as well. So uh, we're a busy group with a big mission, but a mission that's important.
2: Tell us about this legislation that you are proposing, because we're seeing a lot uh, of, uh, of what I call uh, anti-police legislation, like the one in, in California that um, was recently passed and signed, where uh, people don't have to lift a finger to uh, to help a police officer when the police officer is in danger. I don't understand that. Uh, tell us about the legislation that you are proposing. Yeah, there's
5: uh, we've got some pretty bad legislation in California, and there's a, a lot of other cities. Uh, that's why when we see legislation like this one, it's Senate Bill 1480, and the easy way to remember this one is it's called Back the Blue Act. And Senator John Cornyn of Texas, Um, actually is um, the person who initiated this act and is asking for co-sponsors in Washington, D.C. What this act, if it goes through, will do is make it a federal crime to assault a police officer. Obviously, uh, it could be uh, death. It could be uh, attempted murder, um, great bodily injury. Um, It's important that we do this. The sad thing is we're asking for this federal legislation Uh, to get passed because we cannot rely on our local district attorneys all the time you're having district attorneys win races and get in there that are anti-police themselves uh, spread across this nation and you may not even get a um a criminal prosecution or something worthwhile locally so what we want is this safety net uh back the blue act to get passed and you know we talk about this act supporting law enforcement but truly it's twofold it supports law enforcement to be able to do their job so these people are held in jail, in prison, where they need to be because of their violent acts so they won't come out and commit violent felonies against law enforcement and the communities within our cities and counties. So that's why it's so important.
2: You know, it's very important. It's very interesting that you mention the uh, district attorneys because here in San Antonio, we recently had an election of a new district attorney. And um, point blank, we knew that he got over a million dollars in uh, his campaign funds from George Soros. Now, almost immediately, one of the things that he's been working on is decriminalizing this, decriminalizing that, uh, you know, the homeless, the you know, illegal aliens, you know, you know uh, just uh, just a plethora. It seems like we're going backwards and, and rather than punishing bad behavior, we just seem to be ignoring it now. Uh, you know i i can 't uh, I, I just don 't know what uh, is going through the brains of some of these people
5: yeah i 'll tell you um, that you bring up a very major point for us we 're literally involved in a race in San Francisco right now that many members of the United Coalition Public Safety um, realize that it sources money that has gone into it in black lives matter and Here's the problem. Our community can't always pay attention to these things. They don't understand sometimes the politics behind it. And so what UCOPS has done and many of the large cities that are within UCOPS is try to educate the public of what's going on and fight against these types of district attorneys going to these counties because it's only going to get worse in these counties where people like that go in that are anti-police. They say they're not anti-community, but that's exactly what they are, because they're going to they're jeopardize the safety of the people that they're going to serve as well. Um, it is going backwards if these people get into office.
2: It, it really, really is. Uh, how many, I mean, I, I know that the, uh, the number of officers killed in the line of action was in the 30s already. Uh, it, you know, there, it, there just seems to be a war on police officers. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
4: Well, you know, if you go back five
5: years and, and we did obviously our research looking at this bill and other bills, uh, the increase on violent offenders work, uh, violent attacks on officers where they're injured in some way, shape and form has gone up 30 percent, three zero in five years. And so there's a reason for that. The reason for that's a little bit of what we talked about with the wrong district attorneys in these counties that are letting them go talking about turning felonies into misdemeanors on state legislation and not passing bills like this one uh, and, and having bills that take away the tools that the police officers need to do their job. So I think it's a combination of those things. Um, but, you know, every um, day and a half, there's an officer killed in this nation. Um, every moments, every, as you and I are talking on this show, there's an officer in a fight getting injured uh, there's a shooting happening when it shouldn't have to happen because someone should be in jail. So the numbers are going up. Um, there's no doubt about it. And on the flip side of that, the support for law enforcement nationally on the polling level has actually increased. And whether that's our administration, um, whether it's things that we're doing to educate them, uh, the problem is, is that small minority that is, what I would say, is lying to the public and um, saying that they're there to help yet really in the long run when the legislation comes through where these people are in office, um, they're basically a robodopes happening and all of a sudden violent offenders are right in, right in front of their house and then they're asking for help. So the community is getting fooled as
4: well.
2: That's right. I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more there. You know, this situation where, uh, where we've got, um, police officers, where, where we've got people being told that they should be afraid of police officers. Uh, you know, I, am I'm sorry, my last name is rodriguez i look I look very, very hispanic uh I've never been afraid of police officers <laughs> i've never I've never had a reason to for crying out loud. Maybe that's it and uh you know this there is a cultural war it seems like on law enforcement and on law and order period so uh how uh, how do police officers the the other thing that that bothers me and and we've only got a little bit more time here but um is uh the statistics regarding the suicide rate among police officers, i guess because of the lack of respect and the great uh, uh um, amount of uh, of uh, uh, just uh, just the depression upon that they that they are forced to to live with is that uh, yeah,
5: i think, is that? Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with you i think a lot of it has to do with um People in Washington, D.C., and also all these other cities admitting that a large majority of every single officer has PTSD. Um, They're just not the the people coming back um, from war. Um, They're absolutely um, the the boots-on-the-ground cops that see and do things every single day um, that need that support. And when you have people... talking and lying about certain things with law enforcement, scaring the community, saying you can't trust them, what happens is they lose their resources. They don't get their support that they need. Right, And so it's really up to us officers to get the resources to be, to all of the officers across this nation, and that's a, a, one of the top goals of our coalition um, is just to educate people and get the the Obviously, the support for these uh, these officers and these officers' families, their spouses, significant others, and their children,
2: all of them. Wow, uh, Paul. Here in the last few minutes, uh, what uh, what can you share with us? What would you like to share with us? If, if, you know, uh, as as a, a parting message to uh, to our listeners. I think uh,
5: I think what's important to recap on what we had is for everyone to talk to their friends and family um, to really pay attention to. Um, legislation that's being passed locally and then also on a state level and be active. We want everyone to get out there and be active. If you see a good bill that's going to support law enforcement and keep our community safe, they should be calling their local legislator and or state legislator. Shoot those emails out, make the phone calls. It does make a difference. This specific bill, within 48 hours, we had law enforcement families do it, and we've got 5,000 emails go out to legislators all over this nation. And then, you know, Thank God, Senator uh, John Cornyn's office was supportive of us coming into Texas and sent someone to stand by our side. And that's the type of thing that we need is that support and understanding as far as the resources for our, our officers along the way.
2: Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you very much. Uh, do you have a website where people can go visit?
5: We do. It's uh, ucops.org U-C-O-P-S dot G-O-V. UCOPS.org and uh and please just you know uh we're on twitter on facebook and we're going to be sending out information where um people get
4: educated on some of these bills and i always say share them
2: wonderful we got to get you back on the show again another time so that we can chat a little bit more about uh what is going on with our with our uh, our, our uh, folks in blue and and how we can support them
5: i i really appreciate it appreciate your time and having me here today
2: you got it, buddy. Once again, George Rodriguez El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio, the answer.
3: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, Elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of free them burning.
2: All right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, and uh, we have uh, another special guest with us, uh, Mr. Brandon Judd, who is the president of the uh, Border Patrol uh, Council, the National Border Patrol Council, and, uh, Brandon is talking to us, uh, from where, from California. Is that where you, where, where you're stationed, uh, Brandon?
1: No, I'm currently stationed in Montana, but I spent the vast majority of my career in Arizona. In
2: Arizona. Gosh, in Montana. I bet it's cold up there right now, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it is. When you, when you run through the desert for, uh, 15 years and you beat your body up, you go up to the Northern border for a, a little bit of a break before mm-hmm. you go back down to the South. But I'm, I'm headed back down to Arizona here very shortly.
2: <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Um, We've been talking uh, on our show regarding the issue of the war on law enforcement. We've been talking to um, some police officers and sheriffs, and um, uh, I wanted to get uh, the Border Patrol on as well because, uh, well, because it seems like you guys have been uh, catching a lot of heat as well. Uh, The recent situation where they – there was a, a, uh, an attack on the uh, Border Patrol Museum, as well as uh, the many times that uh, the Border Patrol has been vilified as uh, Nazis and whatnot. And uh, there's even been some, uh, some shootings and, and uh, killings of, uh, of uh, Border Patrol agents. So, um, you know, this, this atmosphere that we have currently of uh, the war on law enforcement in general Uh, How is that affecting, or how has it affected, uh, the work that you guys do? You know, it's it's greatly affected us for obvious reasons.
1: You know, this is this is a really good topic because what the vast majority of the American public know, they know that that police, law enforcement, we're here to keep everybody safe. We're we're here, and if it wasn't for the rule of law, our country wouldn't be the great country that we have. But this far left tax attack that's going on with law enforcement today they're trying to erode that confidence um, of the american public in their law enforcement officers and frankly we're going downhill all you have to do is look at california where as long as you don't shoplift anything over a hundred dollars police won't even respond um to to certain uh, in certain cities to to stores so if we don't the laws, if we don't look at the rule of law and say, this is what made our country great, this is what keeps us safe, and frankly, it's the rule of law that keeps us free, um, if we if we let this erode, then our freedoms are going to go away. And if you look at Border Patrol agents and the current attacks that, that, that we've had, I mean, especially from from um, Ocasio-Cortez uh, where she's saying that we're running Nazi prison camps um, any time that you do that, then it, it bolsters the, the the people that are anti-law enforcement, it, it, it gives them that energy, it gives them that freedom, if you will, to go after us, to start, frankly, shooting at us. We, we had that ICE office um, that was shot into. Um, we've had all kinds of attacks. We had the Border Museum that was completely and totally vandalized, and um, We have our border patrol agents that are spit on in their communities, Um, you know, and it's all based upon this attack on the on the law enforcement trying to say that law enforcement is bad and criminals are good. If that doesn't stop, then our freedoms are going to be going away.
2: Now, you know, this in in the uh, in listening to the um, to the uh, Democrat candidates debates, uh, one of the things that has kept coming up. And uh, Bernie Sanders made the comment uh, the other day, uh, is the idea of uh, decriminalization of illegal immigration. And I'm not sure exactly what that means, uh, whether that means that, you know, if you're going to decriminalize, you're going to make it okay to enter illegally uh, into the United States. I mean, that would effectively open the borders, would it not? It It would. It would. And and if you look at what what that would mean, that
1: would mean that anybody... Would be able to cross our borders illegal. I'm I'm sorry. It wouldn't be illegal anymore. That would mean anybody would be able to cross our borders. Um, George, you and I both know that if that were to happen, we would have a flood of people coming from all over the world not just Latin America, not just from Mexico, we would have people coming from all over the world, right now we're seeing a lot of people from a lot of countries Um, we're seeing people from from countries in Africa we're seeing people from countries in Asia we're seeing people from countries in um, Eastern Europe Um, so we're, we're arresting people right now from all over the world and if we decriminalize that then the borders would be completely and totally open and every Everybody would be coming to the United States. The United States would stop existing as, as we know it if, if that were to happen. It's just—it's—it's it's crazy rhetoric. Um, and, and frankly, George, just to be be clear, he. Bernie Sanders would never be able to get it passed. He's using this as a talking point to try to um, go as far left as he can to, to pull as many voters in the primaries as he possibly can, but he would never be able to get decriminalization across um, either the House or the Senate, um, unless, of course,
4: uh, the Democrats took complete and total control of all
2: government. Yeah, 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 that's true. I mean, you know, he wouldn't be able to do it. Just the idea that he's proposing it, though, bothers me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the... Um, uh, t- Tell me a little bit about about the background of of most of the uh, of the Border Patrol agents, because in talking with uh, police officers and sheriff's folks, sheriff's deputies, uh, a lot of them. uh, In fact, the majority of them have uh, military backgrounds and uh, have this uh, this service oriented uh, mindset of uh, of uh, serving the country uh, in that aspect of it, of uh, of protecting the country. Uh, what what's the background background of most of the uh, of most of the border patrol folks? Yeah, that's that's actually the way it is in, in the border patrol as well. Um, we we obviously
1: recruit heavily from um, the military, um, and if you're in the military, you do have. are service-oriented when you get out of the military you're going to look for where you can go to serve and law enforcement is one of those areas where you can actually serve um for all of you listeners out there i highly recommend that they look into um the border patrol as a career it's a great career um and what's what uh, a little known fact is 51 percent of our border patrol agents are actually hispanic um you know people like to to use Uh, border security, and they like to say that it's all about race. It's never been about race. It's been about the rule of law. It's been about um, how do we enforce our laws in order to keep the the public safe regardless of what your race is. And and again, we're the only major law enforcement agency in the nation that I know of that has more minorities than it does whites. Um, Again,
2: a little interesting fact. Yeah, I remember that. When I I worked for uh, Commissioner Nelson way back in the uh, Stone Age, (laughs) <laughs> the uh uh you know I, I that was the first thing that i recognized that uh so many of them were uh of hispanic descent that uh you know whenever somebody would scream you know it's the racist border patrol i'd have to ask them why are you looking at the same border patrol i'm looking at i mean i yeah. I, I don't understand that Exactly. yeah so um Any, go ahead go ahead it, you know go ahead No, it's
1: just it's very it's very discouraging for our board relations that that the politicians would use race baiting um, against the rule of law and to try to turn the American public against us when in reality they're just not telling the truth. I don't mind whether you agree with me or if you disagree with me. What I care about is that we have an honest conversation, that we have an honest debate. And if we have that honest debate and after you hear both sides of the story, if then you disagree with me. Great. Perfect. I, I didn't do a good enough job of convincing you of those points. But the fact is, is the far left refuse or they, they refuse to enter into this honest conversation. They know that if they actually discuss the issues, they will lose on the issues on the policies and so they stay away from from having that conversation that is honest and transparent instead they use talking points to try
4: to rile up the public to get
2: votes to go toward them yeah i you know the uh, I, I grew up i grew up in, in uh, along the border i was born in laredo and uh, i have never been afraid i'm sorry i mean I, i've never been afraid of uh, of the border patrol for some reason i've never had the sense to uh, run away from them <laughs> i've never had the reason to run away from them i guess the uh, you know in closing here, uh, tell me what uh, I mean. How might we as listeners be able to be more supportive of uh, of the border patrol of ICE and uh, of law enforcement that uh, is uh, playing such an important role in protecting our border?
4: First and foremost,
1: vote. We have to have the public get out and vote. That's the best way to make your voice heard. If you vote and, and there's this landslide that shows that the va- that, that the voters, not just the vast majority of the public, we already know where the vast majority of the public fall. Now if we could get them out and vote and we could get the proper people in, we wouldn't be dealing with these issues and we would actually be able to, to come to a consensus um, and we would be able to secure the border once and for all and we would be able to support our, our, our law enforcement. The other thing is, is is start calling into your your different radio stations listen to the the honest radio programs like yourself um, write op-eds uh, to, to to the newspapers especially especially to the liberal outlets. Hey, the more op-eds that they're getting the more their editors are getting from conservative people the more that they're they're more apt to actually print those um, op-eds that's another way. Um, I'm constantly writing op-eds and sending them out. And if, the, if more people would do that, they would start listening a little bit more. So that's another good way that, uh, that you could, in fact, support law enforcement.
2: That sounds, uh, you know, I, I could not agree more. The the defense of freedom and liberty, it starts in your own backyard, and people have got to get out and vote. That's all there is to it. If you want to do something about Washington, it starts in your backyard. It doesn't start in Washington. By then, it's too late. <laughs> And then, and, absolutely correct. Yeah, and getting the media—I mean, getting the media to respond—that's another issue. I mean, that is that is so key, right there, to get the, get our message out. Brandon, thank you very, very much for spending some time with us today. Uh, please stay safe, and I, I certainly would like to get you back on and talk about what's going on on the north border, north on uh, on, on the northern border, because uh, I was just uh, w- reading a little bit about how uh, some Mexicans are beginning to fly north and then uh, come across uh, through the canadian border incredible they, they, they are yeah they, that's that's a
1: conversation we'll have for another day i love your show i'll, I'll be glad to come back and, and, and visit with you and have that conversation
4: but i really appreciate you having me on it's always a good good
2: conversation with you thank you very much brandon brandon judd national uh, president of the uh, border patrol council once again, my friends, George Rodriguez El Conservador. Thank you for being with us today. I hope that you'll tell your friends and your neighbors to join us and to uh, support us. El Conservador is a uh, is a, is a privately funded uh, blog and uh, news service, and uh, we do it because uh, it's important that we stay independent, so that we are able to say what is unpopular and what certainly some people continue, consider uh politically incorrect so i hope that you will support us george rodriguez el conservador uh here on klup nine thirty a.m radio contact us through the station or uh through facebook or through um uh or, or, or through our our blog and uh feel free to uh support us uh donations etc etc uh invitations to speak so my friends until next time next week George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer in San Antonio.